again. It's another one of these weirdy episodes where I'm away off here in the zone ready to do some sort of an expo. It's me, Brandon Sheffield, giving you a weird live report from PAX. It's not really live. It's live to me. It's not live to you, but I guess everything that I do on this podcast is live to me and not live to you, so I don't know. I can call it whatever I want. Anyway, here I am. PAX starts tomorrow. We got a huge booth. The publisher, Isprid, got a huge booth for Demon School. I have no idea what that's going to be like. I've never had such a thing. It's it's 20 feet by 50 feet. A heck load of feet. The printer messed up the banner. They they forgot to put Demon School on it. <laughs> so we got a 20 foot, foot banner that does not say Demon School. Um, maybe that'll get fixed later. We printed out a bunch of little flyers for people to have that'll explain them how to make, how to play the video game because we didn't make a tutorial. The game was apparently too hard. Uh, Lottie, one of our programmers, gave the game to her wife who started the game, immediately got all of her characters stunned and they couldn't move and then she just like waited several turns and died. And then she put the controller down and was like, that was nice. <laughs> It never wants to play it again. So uh, we're going to hopefully not have too much of that this uh, these next four days. I got a lot of press appointments. Um, I'm hoping that I'll recognize some of them and I can get some cool quotes. If I don't, we're going to have a boring show. So cross your fingers. Um, in the past, I hope you crossed your fingers um, like several days ago and thought of me without realizing it so that I would get better footage, coverage, soundage for this show. Well, that's it for me. Bye forever. Okay, hello. It's me, Brandon Sheffield. I'm here with Ian Adams, who works at Wizards of the Coast, and uh, he has a PAX-ish anecdote to relate to you. Here he is now. So, the first year that PAX went for four days, uh, the end of the last day I was hanging out in the Indie Mega Booth with a friend of mine who was showing there that year, just talking to him as the show shut down. Shortly after they got the last of the visitors out there and they like brought the lights up and started getting people unpacked, a big announcement went out where they were like, congratulations everybody, that's the last day of PAX. Um, the fourth day was a huge success and we expect to do it again next year. And the overwhelming response from the Indie Mega Booth was everyone booing. Uh, because of the nightmare that is working four days in a row at PAX when you're an indie. That's very good. Okay, thanks. Bye forever. Well, it's the end of the first day of PAX and uh, went pretty well. There were a lot of problems, <laughs> but they weren't terrible. Uh, we were demo demoing Demon School over there, of course. A lot of people played it. There was always a line. It was gratifying. Sometimes there wasn't a line, though I was very nervous. But uh, we got Heather from Silent Hill 3 played it. Uh, Jill from Valhalla played it. Bridget from Guilty Gear played it. I prefer to uh, pretend that it was the real characters that came and not cosplayers. But that was nice. Yeah, we, a lot of people broke the game and uh, in such a way that the controller stopped working. That was <laughs> a little embarrassing. But overall, even when people were failing, they seemed to be having an okay time and getting a, 
a good vibe, so it was good, but I really underestimated, like, man, I spent so much time at that booth. I thought I was going to go around, do interviews with other people, I was going to talk to everybody. Not to be, tell you what, I was just uh, just in there doing it. But one nice thing happened. I was walking to a meeting with Nintendo, and I was walking by a group of people outside of PAX, just out in the world, and it was a group of four friends, and they were talking about Demon School in a positive way. Like, oh, did you play the story demo as well? And I was like, whoa. People are talking about this independently, using their own brains outside in the world. That was pretty neat. That's it for now. Hopefully I'll see some more people for you. Bye forever. Uh, I forgot I gotta tell you all about the hotel that I'm staying in. It's like one of those situations where some tech company bought up a what used to be like a weekly motel and displaced a bunch of homeless folks so that people like me could uh, purchase expensive evenings of luxury leisure but it's not very luxurious and I'll tell you why it's very dark the floors are sticky my bath mat was dirty and I found a shard of glass it's about uh, two by three inches <laughs> uh, on the floor and uh, they shut the water off today and the bed was so soft making my back so concave that I wound up sleeping on a line of pillows on the floor it reminded me a lot of the Cecil, which I used to stay in, in Los Angeles. Uh, that was my favorite place to stay. But the big difference was, whereas that also had sticky floors and a bunch of bad amenities, and uh, someone died in a water tower up there, and so they shut the water off. That's all very similar. But the difference is, the beds were firm, the pillows were flat, and it cost $25 a night. And this is like, Ten times that, probably. I don't know, I didn't pay for it. Anyway, what a weird time. Okay, bye forever. So, uh, I'm here in my hotel, which is directly outside of the, uh, Cackle District of Seattle, as you may be able to hear. It's a lot of cackling. And I have to recount to you a story that was told to me by a friend who does not want themselves named but they were flown over to attend the launch of the much lauded to the insert credit community Driv 3R launch event Driver 3 Driv 3R they were brought over from Orange County to England uh, Newcastle upon Tyne if I have that correct is where they were sent off to. Not So not London. They were off in some weird northerly zone. I think it's northerly. Sorry, Britishes, if I'm wrong. Uh, but I believe so. And uh, during the process, they were brought to some sort of a bar, at which point a couple of young ladies come up and hear uh, the American accent of... Uh, the person sent over from Orange County and said, oh wow you're American, and they're like, yeah and they're like so like the OC and they were like, yes exactly like that, because they lived in Orange County 
And so, because uh, that's what it's like getting shipped out to uh, <laughs> the launch event of Drift 3R. I was hoping for maybe a slightly more exciting story than that, but it's a pretty good one, if you ask me. It would have been better if it were told by the original person, but they don't want themselves known, so... That's just the deep state situation that we're in with Driv 3R. You see what I'm saying? Okay, bye forever. Okay. Okay. Here we are. It's me and Frank. Hi. We're here in PAX Day 2 has occurred. Has it only been the second day? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been here for... Three, you probably have. Yeah, also, I have. But yes, it's officially day two mm. of the uh, Penny Arcade Expo, the the coin op enthusiast uh, convention. <laughs> yeah. um, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, those. Uh, you put in the the penny and you see like the the ladies undress, but not all the way. Mm-hmm. You know, you stick your face in that. Oh, that's saw, saw some new ones of those. I made a, a coin that got smashed and then said San Francisco, but yeah. it was now an oblong shape. Yeah, yeah, I thought that one was really cool, too. I, I, I didn't get to it because of the line. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. But uh, the one where uh, you, swat the, the, you swat it like a baseball, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that one was pretty cool. I never quite, I got to second base, but then the demo was over. Yeah. Yeah. So you were at a panel with Ken and Roberta Williams and... And others. Yeah. I can name them all. Ron Gilbert, <laughs> Dave Gilbert. Yeah, unrelated. Who else? Uh, Al Lowe. Oh, that's right. Uh, and Jane Jensen. So... I ha- cannot see or hear the name Jane Jensen without putting meat in front of her name, as in, like, the Jetsons theme. Oh. Meet Jane Jensen. <laughs> I thought you meant, like... Like M-E-A-T. No, yeah. no, no, no. No. Like Steak. No, not like steak. No. Meet okay. Jane Jensen. That's yeah. just forever her name. Um, but she's also Jane, his wife. Yeah. <laughs> I believe she's married, right? So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, um, maybe kind of a big responsibility. That was that was a lot yeah, of... because you were moderating it. I moderated the panel. And uh, a lot of these people hadn't seen each other in forever, you know, uh-huh. like... You know, I walked in the room, it was like Al Lowe and, and, and Ken Williams like embraced each other and hadn't even seen each other in like 10, 20 years or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, and like, you know, hearing like Roberta Williams and Ron Gilbert talk to each other about like, you know, the last time they saw each other and like the games that they've done since then and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a pretty big thing. Uh, the room was packed. I, I don't know how many people watched it streaming, but it was tagged a bunch of times on Twitter. How big was the room? Uh, not big enough. It was full. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone got left behind, but it was full. Yeah, it was an hour and a half, which I thought was going to be way too long, but it was the right amount of time with that many panelists. Yeah, so many panelists. Yeah. Well, he wanted to do another one, too, and and then extend it to two hours, and was like, please don't. <laughs> I don't want to ask questions for two hours, please. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, my biggest challenge was that. Well, I think my biggest challenge was including Ken Williams because everyone else is an adventure game designer. Mm. He's Roberta's husband and the business guy from Sierra. 
You know? Oh, right, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he was still included, but... So you were like, so... Let's talk about the business of adventure games. Sort of, like... You know, because we kind of had the entire breadth of adventure game history there, it was it was a very chronological discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, starting with Roberta playing Colossal Cave in the 70s that inspired her to make games. And, you know, kind of going through Sierra's dominance and stuff. So the Ken questions were like, so what was the adventure game market? Was it as big as we tend to think it is? Stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it went really well. I... I the, the one thing I, I knew I should have done that I didn't do very well is, like, say the name of a game and then pause so people clap. Oh. You know? Like, uh-huh. Monkey Island, and then people <laughs> clap. Woo! I know that one. Yeah. Um, I did do that briefly in going through the history of the genre. I, I wanted to talk about the detour that Ron made in the mid-'90s, which is making adventure games for kids. Ah, uh, yeah. So... You know, he kind of talked about Humongous, and I was like, okay, well, name all the games. So I was like, I did a Putt-Putt. woo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, He named them all Putt-Putt, Freddy Fish, uh, Pajama Sam. All of them got noise, except Fatty Bear, Dead Silence. Oh, nobody cares about Fatty nobody Bear. Nobody cares about Fatty Bear. It's really sad. So uh, for, for Answer Credit listeners, that's the obscure right. children's adventure game <laughs> that you can pretend that you always liked. Right, of the Humongous Adventure Games. Yeah, Fatty Bear is the official answer credit favorite. Very good. Um, were there any interesting revelations from it, or was it all basically stuff that you and everyone knew, and it was just neat to have them there? I'm trying to remember. Um, I mean, when you're kind of doing the panel, it's kind of like the show. I don't remember anything. Yeah, you happened, end up zoning you know? out. You're just in it. Yeah, um, but and it should be on Twitch. The thing that kind of stuck out in my mind, that I can't give specifics, is just like people having played each other's games I thought was cool or well I mean like what I, I didn't know Ron's history with the genre which is that uh, he didn't play them at all um, <laughs> and he uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> we are and uh, he that was a security person walking by uh, saying we're part of a secret society and that we have packs wristbands saying we're vaccinated she was right she was right secret society yeah, he was saying that he didn't play adventure games at all. And, like, I was asking him from the perspective of, like, you must have been playing Roberta's games, right? It's like, nope. Um, <laughs> he was saying that Maniac Mansion started as just kind of character concepts and stuff, but they didn't know what to do with it. And then he, he was, like, visiting home for the holidays, and his brother or cousin or something was playing King's Quest Three, And he's like, oh, what's this? Uh-huh. And then they made Maniac Mansion because of that. Um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I'm glad Dave Gilbert was there, like... Yeah, slightly he's, he's, he's the sort of newish guard well the the new guard 10 15 years ago right yeah he, he's 16 years he's been just making adventure games yeah. um so i like that he was there uh and what i like about him is that he's been consistently making this style of game longer than anyone else on that panel ever did yeah um that's interesting and so i asked him kind of about how his approach to it has changed over the years and stuff like that and he was saying each game takes longer, <laughs> which is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I asked him, are you just getting bad at it? Um, <laughs> and he said, no, it's just I think too much now. I don't just do. So that's kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's someone doing this same genre for 16 years, that's what happens to them is that they just start overthinking it maybe. Yeah. Well, 
I'm way ahead of him there. <laughs> <laughs> You've been overthinking I've, demon school for what six yeah, years. I've been over <laughs> overthinking since the very start. Yeah, yeah. What else? I don't know. Like, um, it, Roberta was very Roberta, and just clearly out of touch, which makes sense considering that she hasn't been around in a very long time. But you know, in kind of an adorable way. You know, like mm -hmm. I think it's time for adventure games to come back. It's yeah, like, uh, uh, they're. There's more of them than ever. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they still sort of sell the same amount. Yeah, like some of them do very well still. But I'm happy to have her do another one. Yeah, I see what that's like. Did you go? Did you? Oh, oh you, no. did, you probably can't play anything, I guess. No. But, yeah, I tried to play it. It's um, is it it's interesting? Old? It's. I I don't know if I should be judging it as a final product or whatever. I can't tell, but it's. You know, it's a remake of this text adventure where it was, like, north and you go to the next screen or whatever. Mm. But it's in 3D and you walk around. I see. Um, and two major problems. One, there's just nothing approaching telegraphing your path to walk at uh. all. So you're walking around and there's a lot of just, like, very compelling paths that go nowhere for some reason. I and see. And you turn around and keep walking. And the other thing is that... Um, so that game just takes place in caves. Mm -hmm. It's just caves and some water, stalactite, stuff like that, but not a lot of things to draw if yeah. you're remaking this text game. And so um, there's instances where there's, like, stuff on the ground that looks exactly like something you could interact with and pick up, but it's just there as decoration. So uh, there's a lot of just, like, time-wasting yeah. in that game. I see. Um, Which... I feel like there is a fair amount of that in some adventure games, uh, yeah. so maybe it's authentic, but well, I don't we, know if it's we, what you want. Well, we talked about that quite a bit, and like, I, I was asking Al Lowe about the transition from text parser to point and click. Not that he's like the master of that, it's just like, oh, he's worked on both, that's an excuse to ask Al a question. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, when the reviews started coming in for the point and clicks, the complaints were that they were really short, and it made him realize that a lot of people were just spending time, you know, trying to guess verbiage and stuff like that. Uh -huh. and, and, you know, I think there has traditionally been a lot of, like, wasting people's time in this genre. I actually really like the way that this new Monkey Island's handling it. So in the originals, I don't know if you remember, but it's... There's a grid of verbs, and it's like talk to, pick up. Yeah, yeah. Use, whatever. Um, this one, it's just right, right or left click, and when you hover over something it'll be really obvious what a right or left click does mm -hmm. um but but also it's an it it's custom well, let's pause for a second oh, i thought i, I thought yeah. that fire truck was going to be very loud but they actually stopped that was very nice of them they're stopping right in front of us that's okay they're not making sound oh they decided they didn't want to okay they're going There's, the fire's gone okay let's, um, <laughs> let's continue yeah when you when you hover over objects in this game you know, there's contextual what right and left click does. So instead of being like talk to Elaine or whatever, it's like left click is talk to. But it's also custom text every time. So it's like mm -hmm. I should talk to Elaine or like, hey, okay. I wonder what's in here. And like, I don't know. I kind of like that design for these games is getting to a point of getting rid of that abstraction yeah. of just like instantly going from brain thought to input. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of other small things like double click to run fast is kind of a newer thing for this kind of game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, not so much of that in uh, Colossal Cave. But 
I'm really glad it's happening. <laughs> yeah. In that it's really weird and interesting. Um, and I hope it does well. I don't know. They they have like 30 people working on it, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's surprising. Yeah. But good for them. Yeah. How many people are on your game? Are there 30? No, there's six. Yeah, well. Yeah. It looks like I lose. <laughs> <laughs> How was your day been? Oh, it was all right. Um, we did a lot of press stuff. I was just telling you earlier that um, I, I finally truly had the opposite experience uh, opposite end experience of when I used to be a journalist and I would go in to a press demo thing and everyone would be like jaded and burned out and they couldn't they couldn't tell the difference between any of us and everyone was starting mm -hmm. to blend together for me and uh, but I was also having the experience of like someone coming in and asking interesting questions and I would be like ooh good you're here uh, which is what people used to do for, for us, right? Uh, in the Gama Sutra and and other days. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of cosplayers come play the game. I'm gonna try to get some more cosplayers to come play it because uh, fun photos. Fun photos. I'm really um, sorry about the pink uh, Hatsune Miku that you. Lost. Yeah, I lost. There was a pink Hatsune Miku that was waiting in line, but they waited too long and left. There was also a Detective Pikachu that had like a. Like a very mid-level effort costume that I really liked. It was just like a Sherlock Holmes coat and Pikachu ears, which I thought was really excellent. Um, but they also left the line because it was too long. We made a demo that is too long, and so yeah. people play it for too long, and they just leave the line, god darn. But yeah, it was, it was pretty good, pretty regular. Um, hopefully we'll have more exciting stories tomorrow. Frank will be gone. You're going home. Yeah, tomorrow night. Well, I guess that's it for us for now. Yeah. Uh, well, I had a question about your long demo. Are you going to be oh, able wait. to shorten it for TGS? Oh, for TGS, maybe. Um, I'll think about it. Okay. We could just show the shorter part of the demo. We have a two-part demo. Got it. But I think the shorter part is, is the less strong one. Um, it, or it certainly teaches you to play less. Got so, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for TGS, we're just going to localize it and see what happens. Um, and also, we're like we're across from the merch booths. Mm. At TGS, so I don't even know if anyone's going to come by. Okay. Like, there's no games around us at all. Okay. So uh, maybe we'll just be sitting there by ourselves, having a good uh, old time, and it won't and it won't even matter. But we'll have another show about that in the future. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway. Well, what else? Uh, kind of smells like dog poop around here. It does. Be worth pointing that out. There's a specific smell to like old dog poop mm -hmm. that's just been left out. Yeah, that's um, happening. Reminds me of my grandma's house. Oh. They didn't really clean up the dog's poop so well. Oh, dang. It got kind of white, you know? Oh, the fire truck fire, fire is back. back. He's back. Okay. Well, I'll stop trying to elongate this for no reason. Okay. Uh, and let you go, then. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll go away. And, uh, yeah, we're going to probably have some more things to tell you about later. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Insert credit out. Bye forever. Well, I'm back in the hotel, day three of sleeping on the floor. I guess three nights to go. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, this Penny Arcade Expo, I've never exhibited at it in such an extreme, intense, serious way before. Uh, and our booth is really nice. I think I mentioned that. That's all cool stuff. But it's it's a lot. It's only been two days, and somehow there's still two whole days to go feels like it's been a week. I'm just 
grinding away at this thing. I'm looking forward to it being over, I must say. GDC it was a little more fun to do these little snippets because I was like hanging out with my friends. Everybody was doing stuff. Here, everyone's just tired. We all want to go to sleep. Maybe we'll have dinner. Then we'll go to sleep. <laughs> it's pretty much that's pretty much what it is. There's something funny about Seattle, though. Uh, I don't know if y'all know very much about Seattle, but it's like people from Seattle would not like to hear this, but it's it's like San Francisco too in many parts. Parts of Seattle are better and more interesting, but downtown Seattle specifically just has all the same bad things that San Francisco does. It's got the tech bros. It's got the really unfortunate unhoused population situation. It's got all that kind of stuff. It's got the disparity. It's got all the shuttered businesses, and yet the rent is incredibly high. All that kind of stuff. But uh, as a Californian, if you talk to someone from Seattle and they find out you're from California, they're like, oh, man, don't move here. We already got enough of you, which is fair enough. I've been hearing since I was like 12 years old that people from Seattle don't want any more Californians here, and that's okay. But they really, really do not like it when you turn around and say, that's okay, I don't like it here. <laughs> They're like, well, why not? What don't you like about it? I'm like, well, I don't like the food. Uh, there's not a lot of diversity. I don't like the weather. That's a lie. I actually do like the weather. And you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't really like. But then, And then they start trying to explain to me, no, well, you haven't been to the right neighborhoods, you haven't seen the right places, etc. And that might be true, but it's just funny to me that um, they don't want me to live here, but they want me to want to live here, that's for sure. Alright, that's it for me for now. I hope we can find you something interesting tomorrow, and if we can't, we're going to find you some more stuff that's not very interesting. So, look forward to that. Goodbye. Forever. Hello, I've got Frank Howley from Noclip, who has a story to tell you that has something to do with PAX. Let's do it. Hey, my name is Frank, longtime listener of the podcast, first time speaker, if this doesn't get cut. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I landed in Seattle Thursday, uh, the month in advance, we were getting a bunch of like media uh, requests, hey, come to this event, come to this event, check out this game. I got a weird one that was, hi, would you like to come to this Last of Us 2 whiskey event? And I bookmarked it because it's like, well, there's free drinks, I'm in. I like The Last of Us, sure. I, I thought it was suspicious, though, because what this was was a Last of Us 2 whiskey that they were having an event for on the launch day of Last of Us 1. Oh. So I'm like, why isn't this promoting Last of Us 1? I don't understand. So me and all my buddies, I, like, confirm it. I spread the link. I, uh, I get all my friends confirmed. We show up, and I think we're the only, like, media people there. I don't know how many people, like, even knew about this event. We show up. It's in the small makeshift bar. Uh, so we put our we, we put our bags down and we're like we're front row. Um, we get free drink tickets. We start drinking these nice drinks, uh, and then uh, we in advance we got like a, a, pre a press release thing saying like there's gonna be a special guest, no photography or filming allowed. So we're like okay. Uh, like 15 minutes before going into the event, I saw on Twitter. Uh, it was a leaked photo of, of Troy Baker and Neil Druckmann. And, and I'm a hardcore Last of Us fan, so I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So already inside, I'm like giggling with my friends and kind of spoiling it, but I don't care. And so uh, the event starts, and it's it's um, people from Naughty Dog are there saying, hi, thank you so much for coming. We're excited. We have this partnership. We're going to be having uh, this exclusive Last of Us whiskey. And then it's this whiskey maker who talks about, like for 10, 20 minutes, about this whiskey 
and we're, we're getting free drinks. We're like, yeah, sure, this is cool. And then they say, all right, now special guests, Neil Druckmann and Troy Baker. And they come out, and I am about, I don't know, five feet away from Neil Druckmann, who, like, I consider, like, oh, the Steven Spielberg of gaming. Like, I'm a, I'm a, okay. hu- I'm a huge, like, just nerd for it. I was, like, so shy and nervous uh, because I've always wanted to meet him, talk to him, interview him, etc. And uh, and then Troy Baker comes out, and he does a full, like, 30-minute acoustic set in character as Joel. Oh, wow. And he talks about, like, you know, during quarantine, I didn't have much to do. And I thought, what would Joel do if he was in quarantine? Or not that, that much, but yeah. he was just coming up with stories and songs, performing as Joel. Front, and I'm right there front row, and it's very surreal where I didn't know anything about this event, and now here I am in this, like, ultimate Last of Us fan experience. After their little, like, pitch wraps up, it's just an open mingling party. I go up to Neil Druckmann. I geek out, and he's, like, extremely friendly to me. Uh, and uh, I just thought that was, like, really cool that I had, was able to, like, go up and speak to these people. Um, it's not even that wild of a story, but it was just surreal for me as a big fan. And I think that's why I like coming to these conventions. I get to speak to developers, speak to people. Here I am speaking to Brandon, and I'm geeking about Demon School. But uh, uh, it was really exciting. And, uh, yeah, I had no idea what to expect. And I don't know if people even knew this event happened. They were filming it, so maybe it'll be leaked on PlayStation. But, uh, oh, the one irony is this event was made to promote The Last of Us 2 Whiskey. But pre-orders had sold out weeks before. So the attendees there weren't even allowed to get it. But we did get an autographed poster of Last of Us 2 whiskey. So now I can frame a, a, a whiskey bottle poster in my room with Neil Druckmann and Troy Baker's autograph. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of a fun experience. And then I'm ending my packed experience playing Demon School, which, again, kicked ass. That's pretty fun. It actually reminds me of the olden days of press when things like that would happen. That kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Well... Thanks for that. Bye forever. <laughs> well, it's the uh, second to last day of PAX now. I'm not going to be able to report on the last one because otherwise you won't get a uh, a show. So we got to move this thing along. I don't think tomorrow is going to be that much different than today. Although I did uh, did get an award today for Demon School. Someone came by and gave me a sock. Um, there's a, a character called Saki, and they give out a son of Saki, and his little sock with googly eyes on it. That's pretty cute. So, Demon School won a sock award. That's probably the most prestigious award it's gonna get, so, uh, I will take it. Went and got a PCR test tomorrow, uh, today, because in a day and a half here, I'm gonna be flying off to Japan. I'm going to go to the Tokyo Game Show for the first time in many years. I'll be back to Japan for the first time since the pandemic. And we're just going to see what that's like. We'll have another show for you about that. Hopefully I'll find more people to give you anecdotes, uh, but (laughs) I might not. I thought that this show was going to be like the one I did at GDC where like, I saw people I knew all the time. They're ready to talk, but instead of that, I saw nobody I knew, I hardly, and uh, the people I did know didn't want to talk, <laughs> so that's just how it goes, and I got a much worse voice recorder, as you can no doubt hear, so that's pretty good. We're going to have that in Tokyo as well. I don't know. It feels like uh, it feels like everything's kind of back to normal in certain ways, but it's also definitely not. At PAX here, everybody's wearing masks, which is good for the most part. They are. But there's just... I don't know, everyone seems really tired. 
Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm projecting. But it's uh, it's a tired show. I come back from this thing around 6 p.m. and I'm ready to go to bed forever. I hope this has been somewhat interesting. I, I just... I don't know. It's been a weird time. I'm kind of zoned out right now. Uh, I don't know how interesting this has been. Let us know in the chat how bored you are on a scale of 1 to 10. Hey, at least you got a show. This was it. Tomorrow I'm going to go back to PAX. I'm going to do like a couple meetings. Then I'm just going to go lay down and wait until I can take a flight to Japan at 5 in the morning. Actually, that's a, it's a flight to LAX, and then I have to take a flight from LAX to Japan much later in the afternoon, so it's going to be... It's gonna be rough. I'm gonna see if I can manage to not eat for like 24 hours so that I don't have to take my mask off on the plane. Man, I just don't know. We're gonna see. We're gonna see how it all goes. I'll let you know in uh, two episodes from now. Next episode's gonna be regular, so look forward to that. This is a rambly outro. You like those? Well, you got one. Alright, this is Brandon Sheffield from PAX. Signing off. Bye forever. Insert Credit Show is a production of Insert Credit, with Brandon Sheffield, Ian Adams, Frank Cifaldi, and Frank Howley appearing in this episode, edited by Esper Quinn, <laughs> original music by Kurt Feldman. Thanks for listening.